most people will be like, well, we'll just kind of let that run. No, now you're making an emotional decision, right? This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 60. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. You know, when you're spending $10 a day on Facebook ads and you think, look at me. I am like Zuckerberg's favorite person right now. <laughs> He's a little going, there's my name. That's about to change. Hello, this is Rob and Kennedy Hello. from Response Suite. And yes. we've got a treat for you today. Uh, today, we are talking to somebody I've followed online for a really long time. A guy, called, a guy called Nick Kuzmich. Mm-hmm. And he is a Facebook ads genius. And uh, we're going to be talking about scaling Facebook ads and scaling Facebook ads a bit bigger than what you might be thinking because it was certainly bigger than what I was thinking. I've, I've never heard somebody have a conversation which started off with, hello, we're currently spending about a million and we can't spend anymore. Like we, we're trying to spend more, but we can't make it actually happen. We've got a bigger budget than we can spend each month. Can you help us out? Yeah, each month, each month mm. spending a million I, quid. I think we need to start an advertising platform. Yeah, I'll just have all of that all money from all of those people. Coming on in. Have you had a good week? I have. It's been good. It's been busy. I feel like everything's constantly busy right now. We've got appointments everywhere and all well, that we've stuff. We've been talking a lot to a lot of partners, haven't we? People who are going to be promoting Response Suite to their, to their community, to their audiences, and they're coming in. We're really working hard and really closely with those guys to help them share the Response Suite love. I think it's about working out what our rule is, isn't it? Our rule is to go out there and spread the word and, mm-hmm. and, and grow the business and all of that exciting CEO stuff because it's, so exci- it's so easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day running in the business that you, you don't actually look at the bigger strategy. And I think stuff. all of us as entrepreneurs, business owners, or even I know we've got some people who are employed, it's very easy to sort of get stuck into the work, like building a thing and making a thing happen and widgets and tweak, tweaking the thing and going, oh, move that bit that way. But really, the most effective time you're going to have is, is spending that time sort of in the helicopter, a little bit higher up and saying, well, how does this all fit together? And if you're not doing that bit, you're not spending, we're now committing a, a, a half a day each week to getting in the helicopter, uh, figuratively for now, but hey, one day, big man, it's going to be for real. Imagine doing the masterminds in, in a helicopter. I mean, it'd be a bit windy. What did you say? <laughs> I think we should change the advert. <laughs> <laughs> that was me falling out of the helicopter. That's it was, funny. I noticed. <laughs> so before we go any further and get into this episode, let's go over to Rob's all important and ever so popular quote of the week. Yes, because as they say, rustling in the trees doesn't shed new light on old subjects. That's it. That's the one, isn't it? I mean, just feel what that's going to do for you. That's setting you up for the week. I'm just ready to go. I love it. Every single week. In fact, if you're ready to go, we've got something very special for you. You see, one of the most important things, we think, in building any business, online or offline, is the ability to do email marketing. Grow a list of people, subscribers and customers, and then sell more stuff to them through email. And so over the past, I don't know, million years, 15 years, something like that, we've been really experimenting, exploring with a load of really quirky ways to deliver a bigger bang for your buck when it comes to email marketing. And we're actually hosting a special web class where we're going to teach you three big secrets that we found to literally double our sales with email. Right? Yeah, so look at the emails you're already sending. If you're not, if you're a little bit dissatisfied, a little bit disenfranchised with the open rates or particularly the end result, which is the sales that you're actually generating from email marketing, then 
help is around the corner. And to register, it's a totally free class. We'd love you to join us. Just head over to exactly where, Robert? That's right. Just go to responsesuite.com forward slash webinar. You'll be able to register and get yourself on that class. That's lovely stuff. So as we said, we're talking about Facebook ads. We're talking at them at a really inspiring level because it's it's often easy to think that if I want to turn my Facebook ads up and make more sales, I'll just crank that number, my daily budget, right through the roof. It turns out that at a certain level, that just doesn't work And even straight away, when you do start doing it, you've got to do it correctly. But that's actually only like one stage of the scaling process. It's really interesting, this episode. I'm really excited for it. And wherever you are on your journey right now, you're going to be able to relate to a lot of the stuff that Nick talks about in this episode, whether you're only spending a tenner a day right now or you're spending 10 grand a day right now. There's something here for you that he's going to share in this strategy. So let's stop joking about and speak to Nick. Nick, welcome to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. How's it going, man? Uh, very good. And I got to say, I'm super stoked for a conversation today. It's not every day that I get to have a conversation like this, which I think is going to be a ton of fun. So thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I know I want to talk to you about scaling Facebook ads. There's a lot of people talking about Facebook ads, a lot of people dabbling in Facebook ads. But I know you and I will be having a few conversations, a bit of a chat about what scaling really means. Can you give us like actually when you're talking and from your agency's point of view, when you're talking about scaling Facebook ads, What do you really mean? What are those numbers we're talking about? Yeah, that's such a great question because I think that term scaling is oftentimes like thrown around quite loosely. Um, So so oftentimes when people come to us, they a good example actually, about mm, 17 months ago, a company came to us and they said, look, Nick, we really need your help. I said, what's the problem? They said, look, we're spending a million dollars a month on Facebook right now and we just can't get past that million. Every time we scale past a million, uh, our numbers go out of whack, our CPAs don't work and we start to break even rather than to make money, which by the way, it's not a bad problem to have. Um, And so when they came to us, I said, we really want to be spending more. We have a market that can take more. We have products that can take more. We just need to get past that. And so what we did with them was we helped them get past a million. And now they're spending about three and a half to four million a month uh, on Facebook. So when we're talking about scaling, and I'm not just saying a million a month, but when we're talking about scaling... We're talking about people who are prepared to, they have an offer for and a market large enough to sustain anywhere from like a fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a day spend. To me, when I hear scaling, that's kind of true, difficult, other league type scaling. Um, Most often when people are talking about scaling, they're like, hey, I got an ad that works and I just want to make it work better. Uh, Internally, we'd probably use the term optimization for that. Right. But regardless, if you're spending a little, a little bit of money and you want to spend a little more, uh, yes, I guess we can loosely use that term scaling and figure out how to make that best happen for people. Okay, so I'm going to just pick my jaw up off the floor. So there are people out there spending, I mean, I was thinking, you know, 100 grand a month, pretty decent spend, but there are people sure. spending like three and a half mil a month. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a good number of companies right now who are who are spending millions and millions and millions a month. But let me just throw this kind of caveat out there: most people will never get there. Um, and this is really if you have either a ton of products, like a ton of SKUs. So, like Wish.com is a good example of like it's a it's a it's a kind of an eBayish Alibaba type thing presented mm-hmm. to the North American world. Uh, they got they got hundreds of thousands of SKUs. Uh, so because of that, they can obviously spend a lot to reach a lot of people or where we tend to see most of the quote-unquote scaling happen, it's something like in the health space. And so if someone has like a multivitamin or a mega oil that really can be applied to hundreds of millions of people, 
then again, scale makes much more sense. But for the niche marketer or for the local marketer, uh, you know, they they won't even get close to spending that kind of well, money. Money. You can't even fulfill on that level of on that level of demand, even if you had the audience and the deep enough pockets from sure. it. Obviously, the reason we said we we're going to hang out today was because we wanted to talk to you about the lessons we can learn from that level of what you guys internally call scale to what sure. to what we what you might call as optimization. There are obviously some big lessons we can learn from doing that. So, mm-hmm. when someone's got X budget, even if it's a measly one hundred dollars a day, and for some people that's a lot of money, right? That's fine. No, it is. It is right. It's a, it's 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 a lot of money. So, and they're trying to move it up. Is it true? that you can't just turn up the ad spend and just go, right, well, let's whack it up to a million and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love this question because that is like the immediate response that, that most people do. They're like, my God, I'm spending a hundred dollars a day. Uh, it's working like gangbusters. I'm getting a three to one return on investment. If I just spend a thousand dollars a day, my numbers should all stay the same. If Absolutely. only it were that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, my numbers are going to stay the same and I'll just make three times as much money or whatever, or 10 mm-hmm. times as much money. The reality, is and unfortunately, I, I, I wish I could sit here and tell you guys I figured out the Facebook algorithm. Uh, anybody who has ever claimed that it couldn't be farther from the truth, they're lying through their teeth. But what we do know is is that the, the algorithm is very temperamental. Um, and so any sort of, in fact, let's just go even lower with that. Anytime you edit an ad, not just increasing a budget, which is what most people do, but anytime you edit an ad, period, you're essentially resetting the Facebook algorithm and Facebook starts kind of all over again to try and optimize your whole campaign. Uh, and more often than not, when that happens, things go bad. And I, I'm sure that there's a listener right now who said, yep, uh, I've started $100 a day. It was working really well. So I bumped that to $300 a day and all of a sudden the numbers go whack. So is increasing your budget one form of, and we have like a four-tier approach that we can talk about today. Is that one form or one phase of scaling? Yes, but you've got to do it intelligently. You've got to do it a very specific way. Otherwise, you're going to experience what most people do and that's just you know throwing money down the toilet and watching Facebook turn on you. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. This idea of, of it resetting the algorithm and starting over from scratch is a terrifying thing to think about. So in terms of your four-tier approach, because I think that's definitely something you want to dive into, sure. where does the budget scaling part fit in this? Is that something you're like, well, actually, we should kind of do that last? Where, where does that fit in amongst those four things? Yeah, I love this question. And, and really, we call this phase one, and I call it pace budgeting. So it is the beginning phase of things. But there's two rules that we want to, to clearly remember and think about when we're pace budgeting. And there's a reason I call it pace budgeting, because there's a cadence and a pace to it. If we realize a couple of things, if we realize that every time we make an edit to an ad, Facebook resets the algorithm and then um, uh, attempts to re-optimize. So that's the first thing we got to remember. The second thing we got to remember is that it takes Facebook anywhere from like, let's call it 24 hours just to be safe. It takes Facebook approximately 24 hours to like reestablish, you know, where it's at in the algorithm to make sure everything is going well. So the worst thing you can do is, hey, I'm spending $100 a day. Let's quadruple that and spend $400 a day and see what happens. Because A, you're putting too much of a shock to the algorithm, if you will. And secondly, people do that on day one. And then day two, they decide, let's bump it up another 400. And day three, let's bump it up another 400. Um, And that's where things just totally go out of whack. So my general rule of thumb is when you have an ad set that's working and you're happy with the numbers, 
be patient. Don't go balls to the wall with this thing because that's what's going to throw things off. The first rule of pace budgeting is 15 to 20% budget, daily budget increases. And the second thing is to do that every other day. What that allows Facebook and you to do is to increase your budgets at a rate that won't necessarily threaten the algorithm and throw things too far out of whack. Um, 15 to $20 a day, uh, sorry, 15 to 20% uh, uh, increases enough just to like, okay, let's like slowly bump this up to see where our breaking point is. So at 15 to 20% every other day, and again, the reason we do every other day is because it takes Facebook 24 hours to kind of find its place and, and, and establish its, its, its optimization. If we're increasing every single day, essentially, we're never giving Facebook a chance to find its groove and to see what's working for you. And that throws off the hour. Yeah, exactly. So everyone can start with a simple 15 to 20% a day. And unfortunately, most entrepreneurs don't have the patience to do that. Um, (laughs) But this is a long game. 15 to 20% every other day is is the first phase of starting to see how things are working for you. I think that's really cool. And of course, it's important to remember that the sort of compound effect of that is really effective, you know, because mm-hmm. 20% of, of today's budget is more than it was yesterday. So like right. the, the scale happens quite fast at that point, actually faster than you would expect. Uh, so that's good. Okay, this is interesting. Now, I think one of the questions I have at that point then is, so let's imagine, you know, we've got this campaign, it's working super well in terms of it's breaking even or it's getting a, a return on ad spend. And now I'm going to start turning that up by 15 to 20% every other day following Nick's rules. This is good. At what point? do you stop doing that? Like obviously at some point, if you start to notice the numbers fall off a cliff or you start to notice that your cost per opt-in is getting more expensive or something is happening, is there a point at which you say, okay, great, I've broken this now? Or can you then just start to put the budget back down again to its last sort of safe level? Perfect, perfect, perfect question. Um, And this is contingent upon something that I call a magic metric. Now, I don't know if we have time to deep dive into this, but the case in point here is everybody, before you go into any campaign, should have a hard metric that is going to be a red, yellow, green light for you. What I mean by that is, let's say your your metric is your cost per opt-in. Now, some people, that's what it is. Other people, it's your cost per acquisition for a client or a customer, whatever it be. Let's just say cost per opt-in. And let's say, again, I'm just pulling numbers out of thin air here. This doesn't mean you, the listener, should apply this. But let's say that cost per opt-in is $5. Let's just choose a hard number. So... Um, we use a red, yellow, green light effect for this because most of the time people are making decisions in Facebook based on emotion rather than hard numbers and facts. So if I'm running an opt-in campaign and my magic metric, quote unquote, is $5, that's the most I'm willing to spend to make this thing profitable for me and to make it work. If I'm running an ad and it's getting, let's call it $2 opt-ins, that's a sign for me to green light and say, okay, now I can start applying Nick's rapid scaling process. Um, if I'm running ads and my magic metrics $5 and the ads are coming in after 20 or so the, 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 the opt-ins are coming in at, uh, let's call it $10 after a day, that's a red light. Like there's no if, ands, or buts about it. Shut that puppy off. Don't try to like figure <laughs> it out. Don't try to like prolong the inevitable. That's clear indication that something about what you set up with that, whether it's an audience, the creative, the copy, something's wrong with it. Let's shut it down. Now, the real kind of iffy part comes is, what if I'm getting leads at $5.24? Most people will be like, well, we'll just kind of let that run. No, now you're making an emotional decision, right? There's a hard stop that we set at $5. So if we come in, now I would call that a yellow light. It's close, but not where it needs to be. That to me indicates that we may need to make some sort of optimization tweaks to that ad set. 
whether, and I like to say just for easy, easy, like split testing, the first thing you probably want to change is your image. Uh, the image has the greatest impact on the result of the ad. And so we would optimize that one to see if we can go from $5.24 down to like $3.50 right within our numbers. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because if we are pace budgeting, phase one of scaling, and we're, we're green lighting now. So we're $2.50 and we start to increase. Now we're two weeks into this with this 15 to 20% increases every other day. And now our, our, our opt-in cost is, is rising. It's because that's going to happen. That's just part of the process. Um, let's say after three, four weeks, we're now at like $3. And then a little bit later, we're now at like four fifty, and we're creeping up on five. What we're watching for is what is the day? What is the daily budget where this thing breaks, where it goes from green to yellow or from green to red? As soon as that happens in a 24-hour cycle, now again, sometimes you can leave that for two or three days, but let's just put hard stops on this. You run it for a day, it's gone from 450 to now 620. It's broken. So at that point, what we want to do is scale back two, two times what we did. So um, in, in essence, we're scaling back and we're, we're turning the budget down 40%, right? Because if it was 20% and we've done that for two days, we're going to go back two levels. And what you'll tend to find is when you bring it back two paces from where it was before, things start to stabilize again. And you now found a nice roundabout number for that particular ad set of this ad set really can't go past, let's call it $180 a day. That's where it's at. And we just leave it and we move on to phase two. And Nick, so, is the aim of the game just to like find that point? I and mean, that's the game you're playing? Uh, in short, actually, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. I mean, we're looking for, we have our magic metric. So we know this is our hard number. And once we have that number, we're finding how many variations of ad sets can we literally run within that number? For mm. some, it could be hundreds. And now you're quote unquote scaling, right? For some, it could be 10 or 15 before you're going to start changing up the offer. But yes, in short, that's a great way to put it. The game is how many different combinations of ads can I run that's going to meet me at my magic metric? And again, once you've found what that daily budget is per ad set, we're just going to let it go. Like, don't freak out. Don't don't modify it. Don't screw it up. Once it's working and it's in a range that we're happy with, the best form of advice at that point is to watch it, but basically let it go and don't screw around anymore. This, this is really cool. And it's literally like if you're driving a car, you can take your foot off the gas and the car starts to slow down. It's exactly the same thing. You can start it, to wind that budget right, back, right. which is really good news, I think, for us and anyone listening, is that the fact that that, that becomes so easy to do. So yeah, and the only time that might not work, actually, I'll just throw this in, is if like if you went from 100 to 600 and all of a sudden you go back down to 100, you may have like messed things up pretty good, sure. um, that it may not work as well. But if you're doing these slow incremental changes, yes, uh, taking the foot off the gas pedal will just slow it right back down. And obviously to do all of this, you need to have like lots of ad sets, lots of ads running. Are you, this is a tech question, are you doing all of this at this level inside of Facebook Ad Manager? Are you using a third party? Like what's the practicalities of doing this? Yeah, I love this question too, because like a lot of people are always looking for that like next easy, easy button software tool. We've tested them all out there. Um, And frankly, once you get comfortable with the ads manager, all of this can be done very smoothly and very easily with a few hacks, of course, on like how knowing how to like what buttons to push and how to duplicate things easier. Uh, But yes, this is all happening right within the the ads manager itself. You're doing it right directly inside of there. So that gives us a really good walkthrough of that sort of first method of scaling. And that's the first of the four tiers, right? 
Yes, cool. indeed. Yeah. At, at what at what point? Do, well, what is the second one? At what point does it sneak in? Is this something that you're going to do alongside the budgeting thing and and keep them going at the same time, or is this is this something you do once you think actually, you know, I've I've scaled all of my ad sets to where I think they can go. Yeah, and 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 really, uh, I call them phases rather than steps because depending on your tolerance and depending on how much kind of uh, effort you want to manage this process, you can layer them all on top of each other, or you can do them sequentially and say, "I'm going to do phase one first completely before moving on to phase two. Or you could be doing phase one, and once you've got a bunch that are kind of working within phase one, then move over to phase two uh, and go from there. I generally suggest for the person doing this for the first time, yeah, let's do phase one, pace budgeting as far as you can take each of your ad sets. And once you've hit those caps where you realize, oh, I can't spend any more than this, then it's probably a good time to move to phase two. Right. Okay. Phase two. So what what we're going to be looking at? Yeah, so phase two is what we call duplicate. Now, it's it's a very simple premise. Um, it sounds like a one. It sounds like a push button solution to me. Oh, one yeah, button, oh, ready to oh, go. One button will solve all your problems. I for think so. Just print the cash year. straight away. <laughs> uh, so we call this duplicate, and this is based on a simple understanding that let's say you had a thousand dollars a day to spend. Our tests have shown that a thousand dollars a day spent on one ad set is way worse than spending 10 $100 a day increments on 10 ad sets. It's essentially saying if I have X number of budget to spend, you are going to get far greater results when you can spread that budget out amongst uh, equal ad sets. And again, I say equal, not all of them are going to be equal, but you're better off spreading it than you are putting it on one. So the whole premise behind duplicate here is let's say I've got this ad set that's working extremely well and it's whatever. We started it at $20 a day. It's now at $200 a day and we're happy, but we can't get past 200. All we do is we literally duplicate that specific ad set, let it without any changes. So there's no cut, there's no audience changes. There's no copy changes. There's no ads that you're using the exact same post ID. We're duplicating it and we're going to start phase one with the duplicate. So we're going to start again at $20 a day and we're going to pace budget this one to see how far we can push it. Now, word of warning here, um, that you would think theoretically that you could bring that to $200 a day and it's going to match the first one. That is not going to be true. In certain cases, you might get it to $80 a day before it starts breaking and you've got to you know, scale it back. In other cases, you might get that second one to $300 a day before it starts breaking and then you got to scale it back. So if you've got to treat it almost like it's brand new and not have any association with the previous ad set that you actually duplicated to make that work. But the case in point is, of all the ones that are now working from phase one and they're green-lighted, you're going to now start duplicating those in the same campaign, uh, not really changing anything, and start pace budgeting them one by one to see how far you can go. I'll just throw this other thing in there. People ask me, well, is there a limit to the number of duplicates that you could have? Because what about, quote-unquote, audience overlap? Right. And I do that in air quotes. You're with yourself, you right? You, so that is the general thought. Um, and there is a little bit of truth to this. But what eliminates all fear of audience overlap is the red, yellow, green light principle. It's like, is it green lighting? If the answer is yes, then frankly, whether audience overlap is true or not, and we found in most cases it's not true, but regardless, if it is true or not, if it's green lighting, who cares? Yeah, it It doesn't doesn't matter. 
right? So people then say, how many times can I duplicate an ad? Um, just for reference, when we're scaling some of these campaigns to let's call it hundred dollars or $150,000 a day, um, some of these ad sets, again, because these are large audiences, of course, and this doesn't apply to everybody, but large audiences with tens of millions of people, we've had like like 50, 70 duplicates of the exact same ad now spread out over, over the same audience, humming along. Now, of course, some are at $300 a day, some are at $1,200 a day. And that's the, that's the unfortunate part. You just don't know what that number is. So you have to pace budget them. Um, but there is no limit. And as long as you know what your green light number is, who cares? If they're green light, you go. If they're red light, you stop and you just follow that simple principle all the way through until your audience threshold can really tolerate uh, the number of duplicates. Just to chime in here and just to clarify that. So I've got an ad set. I've scaled it from $20 a day to $200 a day. That's its breaking point. I'm happy to sit with it at $200 a day. That's, that keeps it green. I'm now right. going to duplicate that exact ad set. Does right. that budget now start at 200 or does it start back at 20 Starts back at 20 So you're going to paste okay. budget from, from, the, from right. the get-go all over again. Yeah. That is amazing. I love that. That's now we're going to we're going to briefly interrupt proceedings before we dive on with the second two tiers of scaling here. Uh, to the say, second two tiers, the, the third and the fourth tier. The third and fourth. <laughs> I think it's what second, you meant. The second two tiers. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. lie down. That's fine. Uh, so we're going to continue on with our uh, with our first game. Now we were thinking we've got Nick coming on the podcast. He's going to be talking about scaling Facebook ads, sort of. So so what can we possibly do as a game? So we've decided to play a game which is all about scaling. Not 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 in the term we're actually talking about. It's actually about um, like weighing scales, like weights of things. That's how tenuous we like to be with our games. <laughs> and so, this one's your fault. <laughs> this is my fault because I had this idea. So what we've got is we've got a bunch of different things and we're going to we're going to read them out to you in order. And then basically what you want to, what you have to do, Nick, is simply guess whether each object or thing is heavier or lighter in weight than the thing immediately before it. So it's a bit like oh, higher okay. or lower, but with okay. weight. Okay. I think I can so, do that. Yeah. Okay. So the first item that you're going to compare to is the Empire State Building. So that's your starting point. Shall we tell them how much that weighs? Yeah. That weighs, and that's a very long number, Rob. That is 331 million kilograms and, and, some, and some spare. Yeah. So it's a lot. So is, is the next thing high, weighing higher, weighing more or less than the Empire State Building? And that is 150 Ferrari 458 cars. Does that weigh less or more than the Empire State Building? I'm going to say the Ferraris weigh less. They it do is weigh less. less. It hey. is less. Okay, good. That, that brings us in at 234,000 kilograms. Wow, okay. still pretty close though. Hmm. Okay, so compared to those Ferraris, a million dollars in $100 bills. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to say the million dollars are, are lighter than the Ferraris. They are. Oh, they are. Very good. good, very good. The next one, the world's largest ever wedding cake. Does that weigh more or less than a million dollars in a hundred dollar bills? I'm going to say the cake weighs more. It does it weigh does. more. Hey. It does weigh more. And okay, we've got 10,000 15-inch MacBook Pros. I don't know which year. <laughs> the current one. The current one. Okay. The current one. MacBook Pros. Um, 15,000 of them? 15,000. 10,000. 10,000 of them. Does that weigh less or more than the world's largest wedding cake? Well, because they're 15 inch, I'm going to say they weigh more. It's not. It's actually weighing less. They're so lightweight these days. They've worked (laughs) hard on that. How big is this damn cake? (laughs) (laughs) It's massive. It it weighs uh, 6 million kilograms. 
Uh, okay, next. Uh, the Eiffel Tower, is that heavier or lighter than 10,000 15-inch MacBook Pros? Uh, I'm going to say the Eiffel Tower has to be heavier because it seems like these MacBook Pros are pretty light now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It is, it is. It's only like 9, nine million kilograms or something. All right. Oh, um, so you've got the Eiffel Tower there, just over 9 million kilograms. Okay. 1,500... Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> Does he, do they weigh more or less than the Eiffel Tower? Well, they're, they're probably, 1,500 of them are probably stronger, but I'm going to still think the steel on the Eiffel Tower is going to be heavier. That is correct. It is correct. Hey. And finally, the first ever computer. Do you think that is heavier or lighter than 1,500 Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Oh, the first ever computer. I'm gonna. I, no matter how big it is, it can't be bigger it was, than. Remember, it was that massive room. Well, oh, but but Dwayne's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big dude. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna think Dwayne. Oh man, this hard. I'm gonna say Dwayne is heavier. Nailed it. Nailed it. Hey. All but one. All but Round one. Of Round of applause. Seven That's out of eight. Good game. That absolutely Not ridiculous bad. game. All right. That was actually quite challenging, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Because there's no, those quantities. So we've got the first tiers. We've got we've got the, the incremental budget increasing. Then we've got this duplicate, which completely right. goes against logic. I don't even want to know how you came up with that idea. And I, I just want to take out of that big, big lesson is what you said before about if it green lights, then it doesn't matter about the theory or yes. the logic. We don't, yes. we don't need to know what the outcome is. It's getting the result you want, which is you exactly. know, the hardest thing with, with, with marketing, with our businesses. It's so easy to get emotional, isn't it? So after we've done those two things, we've got like a bajillion duplicate outsets. They're all green lighting, <laughs> going quite nicely. What the heck can we do next? So, so let's move into the second two tiers now. And uh, uh, the, third, the third tier is yeah, what I would call yeah, the second two tiers. I think Rob came up with that, right? <laughs> the sec, I'm going to use that now just as every time we teach this stuff. Just every uh, time, just get a whole room of people going, huh? Our little inside joke, though. Um, so so the, uh, the third phase is what I call very eight. Um, and this is based on very simple logic that people don't quite understand. Uh, and, and variate is where you start scaling uh, wider or horizontally versus deeper. And it simply means, let's say you have, you know, add a with X image and X copy going to X audience. Uh, variations. And let's say you're spending $200 a day. How's the e- what's the easiest way to spend $400 a day? Theoretically, it would be to have a very similar but variation of that ad going to the exact same audience. And so to me, variate, and we have kind of a hierarchical structure on how we do this, but let's just go with the highest level because it's the easiest one to deploy. Mm. At any given time when we are running ads, we are always split testing two different image or creative variations. Now I say image rather than video only because if I say video, it provides a bit of resistance to most people. They're like, oh my God, I got to create a video. No, you can use an image. Um, but the creative aspect, we have found to really carry 80% of the weight of the ad. If you can't stop the scroll with the creative, no one's even going to bother reading the copy, right? No matter how good that copy is. So at any given time, we're typically running two, uh, two variations of creatives with the exact same copy just to see which one is going to pull better than the other. Now, in certain cases, oftentimes what we'll find is that both work and both are green-lighted. And if that's the case, what you've essentially done, Mr. Person Who Wants to Scale, 
is doubled your budget immediately by doing nothing more than changing the image option in that creative. And mm-hmm. here's where even overlap becomes less of an issue because this is split testing now. You're not running the exact same ad to the same audience. You're running a variation of that ad. And here's the reality. Most people in any given market are going to get involved with you and say yes to you because of a different psychological trigger. Some might be more appealing to the fears and frustration side of things. Other might be to the wants and aspirations side of things. You know, the angle and how you position the image of, of discussing certain areas versus other areas are really going to appeal to the mind of different people. So when you are variating, essentially you're having the winning control version of your ad and you're creating a split test variation of that to see how well that does. And again, what you'll most oftentimes find is if you get a good sense of your audience and what really causes them to move and you have a clear understanding of what motivates them to take action, you can have three, four, five variations going to the exact same audience that are all green-lighted. And then what you've essentially done here is you 5x your ad spend because now you're not relying on one particular ad to carry the weight of the spend. Now you're relying on five. And we've just talked about images. You could do the same with copy. You could do the same with the offer. You could do the same with the landing page. And now you can begin to see how if the audience is large enough to sustain this, you can have tons of different variations, which essentially every time you add a variation, again, each phase falls back on the other one. So let's say you do a variation. Uh, This is important to note. That variation has to start with pace budgeting. So phase one, right? You're starting with the small $20 a day budget. You're going to pace budget that up. If it works, you can duplicate that one as well. But the case in point here is a good way to scale horizontally now is by having variations or split test versions of your controls. And that essentially will allow you to spend more, reach more. And if, again, you know your audience well enough, get double, triple, or, or quadruple the results that you're getting with your control. Wow. Okay. Okay. So now we're really starting to multiply these things and sort of compound. That's the word I'm looking for. The right. compound. You end up with a sort of a matrix of stuff, don't you? Because you've got all these images against all the copy, against all the audiences, against the offers, if you want to go that far. And, and have you found at a certain level, you talk about the offers then and testing different offers. Have you found that as you scale, there tends to be a certain type or types of offer which do perform better than others? Whereas lower end offers, lower end, lower scale uh, promotions tend to attract and work better with certain other offers. For example, if someone's got a coaching program, but there's only a, a finite audience for that, it's much smaller. Like, I don't know, an ebook or something might be really a really good opt-in offer, whereas that might not work at a higher end. Is there any correlation there? Uh, yeah, to some degree. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll go as far to say is, uh, you know, we've tested all sorts of front end offers and we've tested all sorts of ways to try to make Facebook ads work. Um, and again, this is another conversation, but my kind of like, quote unquote, and I say this in, in air quotes again, my proprietary system, because that just sounds really good. Yeah. Um, the system that we found that works well is no matter what your actual offer is. So whether you're selling high ticket masterminds or coaching programs or, or selling e-commerce products, physical, if you're, if you're local or you're, you're virtual, um, generally we have found that the best front end offer is still a lead generation play uh, where you're offering some sort of a lead magnet. Now, again, for the sake of time, we can't deep dive into what makes a great lead magnet. Right. But the idea is 
front end, we want to provide the least amount of resistance as possible to a cold audience that, again, doesn't know us. And so oftentimes, if we're trying to pitch product directly, or if we're trying to pitch strategy call because we have a higher ticket item, or even webinar for that matter, mm-hmm. these are pretty demanding asks for someone that we don't know. Right. I mean, we we transact with two currencies: one time, one money. I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that time is more valuable than money. So by you even saying, "Hey, I don't know you yet," you know, person on the other end of this Facebook ad, um, but give me 90 minutes of your time for a webinar. That's a pretty steep ask for mm-hmm. someone that doesn't know you just yet. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're giving them a one to two page downloadable PDF to say, hey, let me give you a ton of value in advance of ever asking for your time, here you go, that tends to be picked up really well. So we do like to lead 99% of our offers to cold audiences uh, by means of some sort of lead generation play. That tends to work best across the board. Yeah, that's really nice to know that works even at that really high end of scale. Mm. All right. So I think I want to know that fourth and final piece of that puzzle now. Yeah. So the fourth one, and frankly, let me just kind of throw this disclaimer. Most of the people will never get here. There will be no need for this. Between the first three phases, um, you will never need to. pretty busy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, to a certain degree. And I don't want it to sound overcomplicated because again, it doesn't need to be. It can be if you want to add so many different variations. But even if you just say, you know what, I'm going to variate the images, that's good enough to really scale you to the moon and keep you busy for a while. Um, so I throw that out there by saying most people never have to get to phase four. But if you do, um, <clears throat> phase four is what I call objectify. And essentially what this means is when you're traditionally setting up your ad campaigns, uh, Facebook asks you, what type of objective are you going for? Now, if you're going to do lead generation, like we tend to preach, uh, a lead generation campaign is typically going to be a conversion campaign with the optimization of lead, right? Because that's what we're going for. Mm-hmm. But Think about how Facebook sees this. So let's say you have a pool of a million people for easy numbers. You have a pool of a million people that you want to target. And then you say, Facebook, my objective for this campaign is to generate leads. And so we're going to uh, uh, select conversions, optimizing for leads. And Facebook looks at that million person pie, if you will, and says, oh, well, of those million people, the people who are most likely going to opt into an offer... That number is, let's call it 200,000 because our pixel data shows that of the million, 200,000 have opted into more than one thing and they've fired a lead pixel somewhere else on Facebook. So they're most likely going to fire your pixel as well. So Facebook, when they start to decide who to show this ad to, is going to show it primarily to the 200,000 people because that is in our favor. That's exactly what we're going for. And that's a good thing. Facebook is taking a lot of the load off of us. Mm -hmm. But... What that also means is that there's potentially, and again, there's no hard numbers here, but potentially 800,000 of that million is not going to see your ad. So if we wanted to dive deeper into this million person pool, how can we do that? Well, we can then run a secondary campaign and say, Facebook, in this one, let's not optimize for conversions. Let's optimize for clicks. And now Facebook's all of a sudden going to look at that million person audience and say, oh, well, of that, there's maybe 300,000 who are most likely going to click because they fired up click pixel somewhere else on Facebook. These are clickers. Let's show your ad to them. And you so can you see can where we're going with this. into different segments of that possible audience. Exactly. Just by changing that at that highest level. But, but really, for most of us, we don't even need to worry about that. 
Correct. And, and for the most part, we always want to go after the objective that is most likely going to work for us. And again, if we are doing lead generation, that's going to be conversions based on um, optimizing for the lead. But there have been times, again, where we're scaling massive offers to massive audiences. And because the offer is so good and the system in the quote unquote funnel is so good that we can optimize for clicks. Heck, we can even optimize for engagement, quote unquote, and still get green lighted conversions within those campaigns because, again, we're just saying, Facebook, tap into a segment of this audience that you probably wouldn't have shown my ad to with a different type of objective. This is so cool. I mean, so I've got this I've got this funnel and it's got a free gift and it puts people through a lead magnet, it puts people through a series of upsell offers and then I do email marketing and everything's wonderful. And I've got it working on a small level and I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to go from like a couple of hundred bucks a day to maybe a couple of thousand dollars a day. So right. I followed these three main tiers. I probably don't need to touch the fourth one. So I'm going through these first three tiers and it's starting to go well. I'm finding ads that are red lighting and I'm bringing them back down or turning them off. I'm finding ads that are green lighting. That's good. Like, how, how do I know how far I can take this? In other words, what's the point at which I go, okay, uh, is it just, you know, I've tried 15, uh, 15 new variations of this ad or whatever, and they're all red lightning. What's the, what's the sign that this ads campaign has probably scaled as far as it's going to go? It's such a great question. I think there's two, two things to like keep in mind here. Number one, um, <clears throat> with the red, yellow, green light principle, that kind of keeps things simple. Like if it's, it, and, and most of the time, you'll, what you'll start to see happen is it go from green to yellow, yellow to red. It won't necessarily go from green to red unless you're screwing around and not following the principles we discussed here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so obviously, anytime something goes yellow, that's a sign for you to pay attention and to say, can I do some sort of variation of this to get this back? Um, and then once it goes red, it's red, right? So let's just, for the sake of our own sanity, just leave it alone. Can we resurrect red campaigns? Possibly but it's not worth the time and the effort for most people. So that's one thing. The second thing that I think is worth noting here is that a winning campaign is a winning campaign is a winning campaign. Um, what sometimes happens though is that it tires out. So if what I've seen a lot of people do is like, man, I've had this green lighted campaign. I've been running it for six months and all of a sudden it turned yellow and then a month later it turned red. I'm going to throw this thing out and start from scratch. The reality is you don't need to. Sometimes you just need to shut those puppies off, put them on the shelf for three to six to three to six weeks, or maybe a month or two or three. Doesn't matter. Um, and then you bring them back again. And the amazing thing happens, and I think it's just because Facebook is so inundated with ads and content that it's almost like that ad never showed in the first place because people start responding like crazy again, and they're like, "Oh, what a great offer!" And you're like, "Geez." you already opted into this, you know, like six months ago. I can't believe you forgot, but that's the reality. So one key principle to realize here is that a winning ad is a winning ad is a winning ad. Sometimes it just needs a break. So that's something to note. Anything that has green lighted and has been working for you for a good amount of time, essentially at that point, um, if it starts turning red, don't freak out. It just means it's run its course for the time being give it a break and bring it back down, down, bring it back up later. Which brings me to the second point of this. Mm-hmm. And that is, it is important for us to know that we should always have a suite of front end offers that we can rotate. If all you have is, let's call it one lead magnet that you're expecting to run your business for the next, you know, seven years, good luck to you. Um, what I'd like to do here is to have everybody who's listening to this say, yeah, I found one lead magnet that works, but I also have six or seven others that are proven to work. And now what we have 
is a rotation of offers. So when one starts to kind of like fizzle out, no problem, right? We put that on the shelf and we bring the other one back into play. We let that run its course. Maybe we run two at the same time because we have four others that we can you know, bring back on at any time. So the case in point here is realize that nothing is ever going to last forever. Uh, at some point, depending how aggressive you are with your ads, it's going to the, the frequency score is going to be too high. The, the audience is going to tire from the offer and everyone's would have seen it. So they need a break, right? So nothing lasts forever. However, winning ads are winning ads are winning ads. And thirdly, our objective here should be to have a suite of offers that we're comfortable, that we know work and they're all green lighted. And of course, that takes some testing and time. But if we have six, seven or eight front end offers, that can be thrown out there. Uh, essentially, that means we'll never really ever have to worry about it completely falling flat on its face. Now, does that happen? Yes. At some point, the ketogenic diet is not going to be a thing anymore. <laughs> and no matter how many times you kind of spin it with whatever angle, it just ain't going to work. Like there are waves where the market responds in certain cases, right? So there will be that. But for the most part, again, if you've got a suite of front-end offers that just are effective and they work, um, you're set for a pretty good amount of time. But as, as business owners and entrepreneurs, I think we should always be innovating. We should always be thinking about what is the next front-end offer we can offer. The back-end can stay the same. But what is the front-end offer that we can kind of like offer to keep things fresh to our marketplace? This is, this is really cool. Here's a quick question, which hopefully won't upset the Facebook Applecart too much, is if I've got my ad campaign, it's working beautifully, it starts to tire out and I can tell actually, do you know what? It's time to rotate this around and maybe put a new front end in. So I have a different campaign, which is all driven around this different lead magnet. Can I just go into Ads Manager, switch off the campaign at a campaign level, switch on the next one and say, right, we'll let that one run for a little while because I've scaled them both now. And then six months later, come back in and turn one off at a campaign level and turn the next Are one back on. Are you just switching them back and forth yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. In other words, does it, does it break all of the scaling work that you've done to just turn the campaign off and leave it off for six months and then come back and turn it back on at source? The, the, the short answer is yes and no. Um, again, anytime we do any sort of edit, and that includes turning something off and on, um, it does essentially reset the algorithm. So that's the downside to it. The upside to it is though, yes, um, you can essentially turn one off and one on. I would suggest though that when you do turn an old one back on, you watch it closely. Because it is going to take some time for it to kind of like reestablish. And there may have to be a little bit of work redone for all three phases. I mean, yeah. again, if you've already duplicated and it's working and you've already kind of variated and those are working, you might just need to go back to pace budgeting and bring the budget down if you're not green lighting right away mm -hmm. and then rebring those budgets back up. There may need to be some of that work done, but not all the time. Sometimes we've literally just turned them on and off like you've mentioned here and they've worked all the same. But just be conscious of it, right? Don't, don't turn it on see that your numbers in the first two days are red lighted and you're like, oh, damn, it doesn't work. No, no, no. You just go back to phase one, get them back to the working place and then build them back up again. Yeah, you gotta keep, you got to really watch them. We're going to get into a little brief uh, look at how we sort of track that and keep an eye on it. But first, something completely different. Indeed, we need to interrupt proceedings once again for the second and our favorite game of the podcast. Here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you now, Nick, and your job. Uh, but he's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British pub or club singer. And uh -huh. your job, and yeah. dear listener at home, of course, is simply to guess what song Kennedy sings. So take it away. 
Pitchy pitch in me, it's licking me dead, it did a beauty, a bit of peace, and a bit of a bit of peace, that can't be a real song. Is that a real song? <laughs> it is. Well, it would, that's a real song. That? Was that pretty decent? That, that was horrendous. Excellent. But that, and that's how it would have been sung in a, in a pub. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Right here. Probably oh. in the 60s. Uh, oh God! Okay, that's a clear right. It's not in the sixties. It was not in the sixties. It was 60s. much more reason. Yeah, it was it, much it more. Have been if that's how it was done. Okay, I'm 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 just gonna say um, that was uh, Britney Spears. Not that innocent. I mean, you are kind of more close than you might you'd like to be comfortable. Well, with. it is a woman. It is, it is. She is American. She is and American. So, yeah. Is yeah. she American though? I think she, she lives is. in America. Anyway, uh, without teasing you anymore, that was, of course, Madonna Like a Prayer. Is she in America? <laughs> she lives in America. She lives in New York. I, I don't know where she's from, actually. Oh, well, never mind. Uh, not, no, not huge fans. But, not but huge thank fans. you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so to wrap all of this up, because this has been amazing, to wrap all of this up, how do we kind of monitor and track all of this? What's the system to monitor and track the red, yellow, and green lights at scale? Yeah, uh, so... <clears throat> The way that I like to simplify this, and again, it's it's my way of setting up campaigns and ads and ad sets. It's not what everybody recommends. It's what we recommend and we like it. And part of the reason we recommend it is one, for control, and two, for visibility. But we follow the general rule of one ad per ad set, um, <clears throat> which gives us kind of clear indications of things. And then each campaign is essentially a front-end offer. So let's call it like a lead magnet A. That's what the campaign name would be. The ad set is where we're going to set up our budgeting. And we have a naming structure that makes it very clear for us to see. You know, Our naming structure essentially is copy plus image plus audience. Okay, so that's not what it says, but let's say it's like Mr. Clean, the image is uh, fairy holding a, a wand and the audience is Tony Robbins, right? So at a very easy kind of like overlook at the ad set level, we're just looking at two primary things, right? We're looking at what is our magic metric. So in this case, what is our cost per lead? And is it within our magic metric? And then we just skin our eyes over to the naming convention to say, oh, well, it's that image with that copy to that audience that's working really well. And what that allows us to do is very quickly, let's say at a morning's glance, get an idea of, are we green lighting, yellow lighting, or red lighting? And if we are green lighting, which ones are green lighting? Which then tells us, okay, well, these are the ones we need to duplicate, or these are the ones we need to scale up, or these are the ones we need to stop. And it really isn't all that difficult. Now, can you add extra, you know, thick layers of, of, of metrics and analytics and start using, you know, UTMs and, and all the rest of that? Yes. Um, but it's not necessary for the person starting out. You really just need to know what campaign, or sorry, what ad set is working and is it green, yellow, and red? And you can literally see that in a matter of seconds by looking at your ads manager, by setting up a custom report, uh, and then you're off to the races. That makes sense. I love that. Now, of course, Facebook is known for being very permanent, never changing anything. So this is going to work forever. That's what I I love about them. Nothing important (laughs) is going to happen in September, is it? Never, no. So, so you just do this, and you follow Nick's rule, and and forever uh, you can just retire and live in the Bahamas. Yeah, essentially, and it's all set it and forget it. You don't even have to. to touch <laughs> you have it to look at it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once you set it up once, you move to the beaches, and you're good. Tell us about September. What's going to happen, Nick? <laughs> So unfortunately or fortunately, unfortunately for me, because I like having control over my campaigns, I don't like handing over that control to Facebook. Um, 
which is why we do one ad per ad set, for example, because I don't know about you guys, but anytime you put more than one ad in an ad set, Facebook arbitrarily selects which one to show more than the others. Oh yeah. It tells you which is the winning horse. It tells you. Yeah. And, and well, it should in, in theory, but, but the problem is it oftentimes favors the one that's not working. Um, and the ones that are, it doesn't give you any impressions, right? So that's one of the reasons we do one ad per ad set. Now, the problem we're facing, right, is, is Facebook announced not that long ago that campaign budget optimization, which is a new feature they kind of rolled out or earlier or late last year, early this year, um, which essentially says you set your budgets at the campaign level, uh, your daily budgets at the campaign level, and then Facebook decides how to distribute that budget amongst the ad sets in that campaign. Now, I know why in, in a perfect world, if Facebook's AI was super smart and intelligent and actually could identify which ad sets were working better, this is a marketer's dream because you are now getting ultra close to set it and forget it because Facebook is going to make those decisions for you and, and in theory, in your favor because they want to continue to have you spend money with them. Unfortunately, at this point, it's still all very new. And we've done extensive testing on campaign budget optimization. And right now, 30% of the time is where it does good or, or does well. 70% of the time, our controlling of the budgets at the ad set levels where it does better. So the reason why we're bringing all this up is because when we're doing like this budget increasing that I'm talking about, so pace budgeting, right now that's happening at the ad set level. In September, that might not be possible because again, they're moving all budgets to the campaign level which then has us figuring out, and this is what we're testing right now, does it become this ridiculous game <laughs> of going one ad per one ad set for one, one campaign? campaign? Exactly what I was thinking. Is that <laughs> right. going to be what we're going to be doing? Which I certainly hope not, but we are testing that right now in our own ad accounts just to see if that's going to make a difference and give us the control we need. It's going to be a mess and it's going to require extreme amounts of work to do that, but if it is what it is, or by forcing every Facebook advertiser to do this, will it then be only a matter of months before the AI is smart enough to make good decisions, right? Yeah. So I'm not willing to put all my eggs in that basket right now. I'm going to let everybody else play with campaign budget optimization to make the AI intelligent. Um, but again, we may get to that point in September where we don't have that choice. And then, not that the strategy would change, but how we execute that strategy may change um, depending on what kind of limitations Facebook puts for us. Yeah, awesome. Obviously, you're going to, you said you're going to come back on the show uh, later on in the year, in a few months' time, to let us know how that's all going. So, so we'll speak to you on the 1st of September. <laughs> yeah, <to find laughs> yeah out. one day in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Okay, so we'll get all the updates on that. But for now, this is the, this is the rule. This is the way to, to go with it. I'm loving it. Okay, we're going to now head into what we lovely refer to as the quickfire round. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So okay. Nick, first of all, give us a book that you recommend. Oh, so books are always depending on the season that I'm in, but sometimes I always come back to um, Austin Kleon's like, Steal Like an Artist. Uh, or, or work like an artist. For some reason, those those back in the day when I read them really hit home. So, so I appreciated those. Love that. What's a success habit you have? Something you do regularly? Uh, great question. God, um, I would have to say anything that doesn't involve business. So 
about 18 months ago, I started my journey into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, fell in love. Um, and oddly enough, the time that I spend daily on the mats, rolling around doing jiu-jitsu, has made me a better business person, made me think clearer, made me a better strategic thinker, made me a better husband and father. So for me, it's anytime I can remove myself from the business to do a different type of habit or something I enjoy actually lends to making me a better business person. Hmm. That's really interesting. Very you sort cool. of train yourself to take a, to be very good at kind of getting beaten up by Facebook ads platform. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, you got to figure out if if they're going to beat you up, then you got to beat someone else up on another platform. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you give us a marketer or an entrepreneur that you look up to? Again, this is seasonally, so different seasons of my life, there would be different answers, but uh, someone that I, I respect a lot. I mean, in fact, the entire principles of the Digital Marketer Squad. Um, so Roland, Ryan, and Perry are, are great. Uh, Roland has, has just been very influential on my business over the last year. Um, just a, a smart, Roland Fraser, smart, smart, smart dude right now. That's awesome. That's really cool. So what are some of your favorite apps that you rely on to run yourself, your life, your business? Yeah, uh, two, two stick out to mind. One uh, is ClickUp, which is kind of a, an amalgamation of like a little bit of Trello, a little bit of Asana. It, it really is the engine that drives my personal and or business projects forward. Hmm. Um, and then there was one that I was using that I just replaced. I forgot the name of what I replaced it with, but it was Station, uh, which is what we use for some time. Great app, except it was a little bit buggy, unfortunately. But what that did was it allowed me to bring like all my most commonly used apps into one interface hmm. and allow me to like toggle through them, which was like very, very handy because before I'd have like Facebook Messenger over here and WhatsApp over here and Voxer. And then I have like this and that and the other and just brings it into one nice clean platform, uh, which has made life a lot easier. I love that. Hmm. Big important question here, Nick. Who do you like more, Redhead Rob or Platinum Kennedy? See, that would all depend on who we're having a conversation with and if the other guy is in the room when we're having that conversation. You sly, you sly fox. That was a politician's answer. There you go. Everyone. Finally, <laughs> tell us, if you want to find out more about you, where should we head to? Yeah, so uh, I mean... If, if you want to find out generally what we do, uh, nicholaskuzmich.com, uh, K-U-S-M-I-C-H, is kind of like the hub. Fortunately, I'm the only Nicholas Kuzmich in the world, so it makes it easy to find me. Um, but if you really want to know what we're doing and like have any desire to get involved with what we do, I would suggest people check out nicholaskuzmich.com slash the council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L. Uh, that's kind of like my passion project right now, my way to really help the most amount of people. Wow, awesome very cool stuff. This has been really eye-opening and some load of this stuff is just so counterintuitive to do with like shifting things up a gear, really moving them up in a way that's manageable. That idea of absolutely solidly removing the emotion mm. from the, oh, let's just get a little bit longer. Oh, let's just, it might be because it's a Sunday. It might be because of the beginning of the week. It might be because it was after five o'clock. If it's on a red light, let's get rid of that thing. Please, yes. Love that. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Like, it's been great to speak with you. Of course, the pleasure was all mine. I look forward to doing it again sometime soon. There's something you said in the introduction to this episode, which is so critical. And that is that in this episode, there is something for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're actually just starting your ads yeah. campaign for the first time. You should build it knowing that this is what is around the corner. Not only that, but that idea of how you actually scale across those multiple three sort of main ways of Four. actually... Well, yes, the, the three main that you're supposed to do, that fourth mm. one, you don't really do that often. He says. Okay. But the three main ones that you, that you sort of do when you scale up, 
think about them as three different activities just really simplifies it rather than thinking, oh, I have to do with all these three, these three or four elements, I want to consider all four of them. Then it's really tricky and it can be really confusing and very overwhelming. If you just think about get this one right, compartmentalize, think about like a sales process, get this bit done first, maximize that, really tweak that, really ramp that up and then move to that next one. I like it when there's things which are just step by step like that. I've got a little, I'm a simple person. I've got a really simple brain. And even though what we're talking about here is really complex, really high level stuff, Nick's really boiled that down, hasn't he? And he just yeah. said in his, and obviously I think he like, sort of thinks the same. How can I simplify this? So it's not just this complex matrix in my head of interconnecting pieces, which are all reliant on something else, which might just break. And teaches it so well in just plain pure English. Look, so there was, there was so much stuff in there. I wouldn't blame you if you need to go and check out the show notes. Go and do it. You'll find them over at blog.responsesuite.com slash 060. I'm going to bookmark that link and have it as my go-to scaling reference. Absolutely that. amazing. That was one hell of an interview. We've got some great, as you can see with the podcast, we're really and we've had some great guests so far. We've been very, very lucky. We've got some really great ones lined up, and we're really pushing hard to get that. We've got, I mean, some of the names we've got in the calendar right now, Rob. I mean, so exciting. In so fact, exciting. if you want to make sure you don't miss out on anything, so we know how busy you are, make sure you go and follow us on the various social media channels. It's just at Response Suite on Facebook or Instagram. That way, we'll be able to keep you in the loop about everything that is coming up. You can, of course, also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. And tell you what, while you're there, just take a minute and leave us a little review, a five-star review, if you please. Just say what your big takeaways were, what you've enjoyed out of this. And in fact, we might even pluck you out and give you a little name check over the coming weeks. Oh, yes, we didn't do that at the top of this episode. Sorry, folks. It was slap on the wrist. Slap on the wrist. We'll, we'll be back doing that next week. We probably promise. All right. See, see you all next week. Have a good one. And we'll look forward to reading your reviews. Ta-ra. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesweek.com.